2 Timothy chapter number 1. I preached part of this message here a while back, and the Lord brought it back to my remembrance today and said, you need to finish the rest of that message. But I won't get it all finished here tonight. So let's look, if you will, tonight in verse number 12. The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me of whom Phemlius and Hergamus the Lord giveth mercy unto the house of Ovenephorus. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be able to stand here again tonight. Thank you, Father, for the folks that's come out tonight to hear the word of God. May you take this vessel tonight use it for thy glory. Father, I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There's some things in this verse number 12 tonight that we need to look at pretty closely tonight. And let me just say, last night as I was down there at Faith, Brother Billy Cognell, a pastor of Fort Creek Baptist Church, preached a wonderful message last night on being persistent in prayer. I see everybody's getting cold for some reason. I don't want you to freeze up and say that preacher's like an iceberg. So I'll give you one more degree and see if that helps. Amen. <laughs> but Brother Billy preached last night about being persistent in prayer. And he brought a wonderful message on being persistent. He was actually talking about his own daddy being a pastor and a preacher and how his daddy was persistent in prayer. He was 49 year old before he got saved, Brother Billy was. And a dad had to be persistent, didn't he? And that was the whole basis of the message last night. And I got to thinking today as the Lord reminded me of this message, the importance of knowing some things. Now, he said here, if you think about this tonight, if you look at this scripture, <coughs> You need to be secured in some things. Now notice that he said, I, I'm going to give you four things out of verse number 12 here. He said, for I know. Now the problem with a lot of folks is they sit in church, but they don't know. They go out the door and they still don't know. They come back in next week and they still don't know. I'll never forget, and I've mentioned it a time or two in messages where they did this on ABC News, National News, standing out in front of a church up in big city of New York, and they asked the question to the folks coming out of the church, can you tell me the four Gospels? I'll never forget that. 
Not a single person that came out of that church could tell them the four Gospels. And I, 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 we're not talking about teenagers. We're talking about elderly folk that should have known the four Gospels. If they knowed anything about Jesus, they ought to know the four Gospels, right? But he said, I know. Now notice how he put that. If you look at that, he said, for I know. He made that personal, didn't he? Do you realize you need to be secure in knowing that you know? <laughs> Brother Jim Gaddy stood here that night preaching. He said, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget that message. And he had a, Chris, he had a three-ounce lead sinker in his pocket. He pulled it out, big old diamond-shaped lead sinker that you'd used out the ocean. And he said, now for y'all that want to feel lead, I've got it. I thought I'd croak. You ought to know in whom you have believed, right? I mean, if you want to be secure in your salvation, you ought to know in whom you believe in, what you believe in, what your basis is, right? Now, the writer was telling them, he said, for I know, notice what he said. He expressed this. Are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? He was positive in this expression. He said, for I know. Can I give you something that will help you tonight? The man that was writing this was not a teenager. Our teenagers say they know. Some of us say we know. But most of us are just guessing. We don't really know. But we don't want nobody else to know that we don't know. So we put on a good front. We come to church. We got on good clothes. We sit on a pew. We sing in the choir. We raise our hand, clap our hand, shout a little bit. And half of them still don't know in whom they have believed. They're not secure enough in their salvation to know whom they have believed. Listen, this is an expression he's saying, For I know whom I, notice this, He's getting personal again. <laughs> How many's ever made this statement? I know what they believe. Do you really? I've had a lot of folks over the years in church that said they believed, but when the rubber met the road, they didn't really believe. Amen. You know, there's a lot of folks who don't believe in speaking in tongues. It's in the Bible. There's a lot of folks who don't believe in anointing with oil. It's in the Bible. There's a lot of folks that don't believe in laying on of hands. It's in the Bible. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of folks, listen, that don't believe certain folks can be saved. He said he come for all. He didn't leave nobody out. So if he came for all, he meant all. We can't exclude them. We might from our private clubs or our private churches, but God ain't never excluded them. Jesus died for all. Whosoever will, let him come. Right? He said, I know in whom I have believed. You notice that I come in there again. I know who I believe in. I know what I believe in. Let me, let me ask you a question. If some TV evangelist come on and turn the cartwheel and gargle BBs, you'd believe him better, wouldn't you? Than your local preacher's. Let's try their best to give you a foundation grounded. 
How, how many remember my little jar that I put the big rocks and everything in the message? That gallon jar, you had never seen it, have you? That message is on being filled with the Spirit. You got a jar and I cleaned it. That's what we are when God cleans us. We're an empty vessel. And we put, I put them big rocks in there. I fill that thing to the top. <laughs> That's where I get half full, half empty. I said, is it full? Everybody said, yep. Nope. It ain't full yet. Yeah, it is. It's plumb to the top. Then I take smaller rocks and pour down in around the bigger rocks. I said, there's still more room for God in our lives always. When they get all the rocks in there, the little ones I can get in there. Then I get the sand and pour in there. Sand is still a part of a rock. Sometimes we miss the finer points in being, knowing, seeing, and believing in whom we have believed. So I pour the sand in there. I mean, pack it down, it's full, it's to the top. And he says, it's full now. It's full, preacher. No. Then I pour water in it. The Spirit of the Holy Ghost is always can get more in you. Right? We think sometimes that we know it all, that we're full. We have arrived, you might say. Use that terminology. I have arrived. I know it all. I have arrived. I can walk on water. I have arrived. I can lay hands on people and they'll recover and we're bragging on ourselves. We're bragging on ourselves the whole time. He's saying, I know in whom I have believed. Now, he ain't talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus. He's trying to get us to understand, I know whom. Then he said, I have believed. Who do you believe tonight? Let, listen, I say, let me say it one more time tonight. A pastor can preach on it for six solid months and get you right to the edge of truly believing it and somebody you never heard of ever in your life come by and change your mind in five seconds. Well, he said, well, I've been saying for six months and I almost got you there. But you didn't quite get over the edge into truly believing it. Uh, Brother Billy said something last night that I've said two or three times lately in, in the messages I've preached. We believe God can. We believe God will. But sometimes it's hard to believe God can and will for us. Right? This writer was telling you, I know whom I believed. I know beyond a shadow of doubt. And he said, if you want to be secure in that, you better know. And if you're not secure in it, you'll be tossed with every wind and doctrine that comes by. <laughs> oh, Lord, are you with me? He said, for I know whom I have believed. Are you with me? Now, what did he say? And I'm persuaded. I often wonder... What it would take to persuade people to be faithful to the house of God. I often wonder what it would take for people to be persuaded that the house of God needs your presence. 
and this discussion has come up more in the last two or three weeks with pastors I've talked to than the whole time I've been saved. I, I, I just wished I could persuade people. Yes, it's good that, that we've got it on the internet and folks can watch it that's sick and ain't able to come. That's wonderful. But that don't give us an excuse to stay out and watch it. That was given to us that we might reach those that ain't able to come. It was not for a license for them to stay home. I'll I'll just be honest with you. I watch a lot of them online. But it ain't like being there. I mean, I've watched when Faith got saved two or three, four times. But it wasn't like being here. I've tried to explain services. And Brother Scotty had one week four last. He called me that Sunday evening and barely could whisper. And he said Monday he couldn't even talk a word. He said his wife had to do all the talking. I said, she didn't have no trouble with that, did she? <laughs> but you, it's not like being there. Now he said, I know whom I have believed. And he said, I am persuaded. If we could get people persuaded to truly trust the Holy Ghost of God, truly trust Jesus, I, I, I like this part. Let me help you please, God. Isn't it funny that we'll trust God with our soul, but not our finances? Isn't it funny we'll, we'll say we trust God with our soul, but we won't even trust Him with our children? Isn't it funny that we say, oh, I believe God can, I believe God will, and we never ask Him in prayer until it's on death's door. Isn't that funny? That He's the last resort. Paul's right, and he said, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I'm trying to get us persuaded tonight, church, that that God is still able, He's still alive, He's still on the throne, he hasn't lost one ounce of power. He ain't gone dead. He ain't gone on vacation. Are you with me tonight? I'm persuaded he's still at church. Amen. It's good that we have these avenues that folks can use. I used to play a lot of them when I was on the road on cassette tapes. I heard a lot of preaching. I guess I ought to repent because I flung a lot of them out to wonder down through the years. But I didn't figure I wanted to hear it. Nobody else needed to hear it. They get off in left field, brother. I throw them out to wonder. Amen. Listen, you can run all the gays and queers out of your service you want to, but you'll stand before God and answer for that. I actually heard a man stand up in a service and say, the gays and the lesbians can leave here tonight. And the sad part of it was, the whole congregation said, Amen, preacher! I chucked her out the window. Chucked her out the window. I'm trying to get them in, he's trying to run them off. I'm not getting an exclusive club. Hello? I'm trying to get sinners in here with the saved folk and the saved folk pray the Holy Ghost in and God work on them and get them saved. It's sad. (laughs) 
It's sad that a man that would stand behind the pulpit would be persuaded in his mind to make a statement like it. That's sad, folks. But it's even sadder that the congregation amened him. I mean, they shattered her down right there, brother. And we're not talking about a church house. We're talking about he was under a tent. Why would you take a tent out in the community if you didn't want that crowd to come and hear the gospel? He wasn't persuaded that they could be saved. He wasn't persuaded that God died for them. He wasn't persuaded that the blood was shed that they could be free of their sins. He wasn't persuaded that his sins was as bad as their sins. I'm persuaded tonight. As Paul said, I feel like I'm the chiefest of all sinners before I got saved. Amen. That's the way I feel. I thought I was the lowest of the low, and I thought I was the only one in that church lost. I know better now that I got saved, but that's the way I felt that day. I thought everybody in this building's right with God, and I'm the only one going to hell. Amen. Now think about it. Isn't it sad that folks are not persuaded? Church folk. Church folk. If I can think of it, I'm going to bring that. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Where they took the survey of them boys going into Bible college. Southern Baptist Bible College. They take a survey when they enter in the college in what they believe in. And it was something like 75% going into college believed in the Trinity. Something like 95% believed in the virgin birth. The sad thing of it was before they turned that thing around and got rid of that atheist, it was over it. That when they left, less than 25% believed in the Trinity. This is their own statement that, that I'm reading. A Southern Baptist man gave me this. He said, I want you to read this. He said, I cannot believe this. Less than 20% believe in the deity of Christ. We're getting serious, folks. You're going into college to learn about Jesus and the Word of God and you believe more than when you come out? Something wrong with the college. Hello? Something wrong with the teaching. Let me say there's something wrong with the minds that sit there and let them be taught that. I'm going to get up and leave, ain't you? I'm not going to sit there. I mean, if I go to a visit at the church and they get up some stupid nonsense, I get up and walk out. If God will let me... I got in a mess one time. Oh, Lord, did I get in a mess one time. I was a begging. My wife was a begging. My friends was a begging. We got out of here, preacher. I said, God said, sit still. They all left me but my wife. That's the truth. They left me in the church and left. I was riding with them. That's when I left my hat. The man said, Come up here. You got a word for God. And I went up on the pulpit and he is uh, doing his thing, and that's the way I'll put it. There's a flopping like chickens and squawking like ducks, and there's a carrying on the awfulest thing you've ever seen in your life. I'll never forget it, Brother Chris. There's a little old lady sitting about the third or fourth pew. 
had two men go hold her hands up because she got so weak she couldn't hold them up. And that little old lady was hurting so bad I wanted to hit them both. He turned to me and he said, Brother, ain't you got something to say? I said, I sure do. He handed me the microphone. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, this crowd needs to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I handed him the mic and walked out. Left my cowboy hat under the pew, never thought one thing about it. Went all the way down to the restaurant. <laughs> Abley's when there's an old building. This is the kind of fellow he was. This is why he believed. He wasn't man enough to walk to my table and bring me my hat. Stood at the door and said, I walked to the door. I still ain't even realized I ain't got my hat. He said, you forgot your hat. We took up you an offering. Two cents is all we got. I said, the widow's might was more than all and took my hat and walked back. Let me tell you something, folks. What do you believe tonight? I'm not God. I can't give you anything. I can pray for you. I can show you in the book. But I can't give you nothing. I can't save you. He said, I am persuaded. He said, not only that in whom he was persuaded in. He said, not only that, but I'm believing that I'm persuaded. Now you think about this tonight. What is the world coming to right now? Because of the things that they believe. I had the conversation this week about the cat. What's this world coming to? When one person can go to school and say, I identify as a cat, I need a cat litter box. Well, when I went to school, animals wasn't allowed to go to school. I'd have said, since you're a cat, go to the house. Use your own litter box. Wouldn't you? No, but that crowd wants us, taxpayers, to fund their stupidity. Paul said, in whom I have believed, I am persuaded. Now, church tonight, we may see a lot of different things. Let me, let me help somebody, please. It's time that we realize that we need to talk to all of them, but for God's sake, don't believe all of them. Because you'll hear some crazy stuff out here in the world. Oh, man, God, I don't have to go to church. Man, God got it all together. Well, can I tell you this tonight? If you believe that in your heart, you're lost. Because the Bible said if you truly believe God, you're to gather yourself in the house of God. If you truly believe the word of God and you're saved, the Bible said to gather yourselves together. Why? We need the strength. We need the fellowship. We need, listen, when I'm weak, you need to pray for me. And when you're weak, I need to pray for you. It's good that we got a prayer chain, but it's better we got a bottle of oil and hands that can lay upon one another. I believe that with all my heart. Hey, if you can't get to me, pray for me. But if you can get to me, lay your hands on me. I'll never forget the first lady that ever laid her hands on me. We was in a brush arbor meeting. I got down to pray and that little old lady come. She poured, Chris, she poured a whole bottle of oil right across the top of my head. Laid her hands on top of my head and called on God to touch me. 
said, God anoint him. He's already anointed, but said, God anoint him afresh. And you know, two or three of them backed up and got away from me. They said, why'd you let that woman pray for you like that? I said, because you wouldn't. I know where God uses women in the Bible. I know how God uses women. And if that lady felt led to pour oil on my head and ask God to touch me and, and help me and strengthen me, praise be to God. There was a dozen men there. Why didn't they do it? Amen. Why didn't they do it? Why didn't they pour the oil on me? Why didn't they call on God? Oh, I wouldn't have let her done that to me. I said, well, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> hey, <laughs> ladies, you want to pour oil on me and pray for me? Go at it. I ain't going to stop you. I believe in anointing with oil, laying on of hands, amen. And listen, if the men get too sorry to do it, the women will have to do it. Let me just say this. If it wasn't for ladies, 99% of the churches in Jamaica would shut the doors and quit. I'm getting there. I'd say it's 95% at least. And if you get to studying... About 80% of the churches it was ever started was started by women. Nyland's Chapel, Free Will Baptist Church, right down here on 64. Miss Nyland started that church. She preached at that church until a man stood up and said, God called me to preach. She sat down and never preached another lick. She sat down. Why? Because a man stood up and finally took his position to do. What do you believe tonight? Listen, let me just say this. I'm just going to get in at both feet. If God can use a whale, a rooster, and a donkey, and an ass, surely to God he can use a woman. Hello? Now think about that. If God can use all the things that he used in the Bible, hornets? Hello? Anybody ever read that? You ever mention ants? Are you listening? I mean, if God used sheep as an example... Why wouldn't he use a woman? I don't believe in women preachers. No, I don't. But I sure believe that they got anointing on them. I sure believe they can touch a hem of the garment. Amen. Listen, you better study. <laughs> There's one stayed alive till Jesus was born. Come into the temple. And then she said, I can go home now. I can die now. The Savior's come. She's in the temple working, waiting on the Savior to come. Amen. You know the sad thing of it is, a lot of folks don't know in whom they believe. They don't know what they believe in. Are you with me? And they don't know what degree to believe. Oh, I believe we ought to go to church. <laughs> is that all? Is that all you believe? You, I mean, you think going to church, sitting on a pew? Listen, go sit in your garage if it makes you a car. Hook your 12-volt battery up to a horn and honk it every once in a while. See if I need to change your oil. No, going to church don't make you saved. In whom do you believe? Are you with me? Let me say he said, I am persuaded. Now notice this last one. It's a personal exchange. Now notice what he said. That he is able to keep. Are you with me? He's getting it committed to him. That which I, 
Hello. Have committed unto him. There's where we come short. When Kristen and Chris got married a while back, they made a commitment. I believe they're persuaded that God put them together. And God intends for them to stay together. I believe that. I wonder sometimes if we truly believe God is able. Tammy, this will help you, honey. Listen just a minute. If we truly believe God is able to do it, why wouldn't he do it for us? There's only two reasons I believe that God would not do it for you. Listen to me. Number one, you're lost. You tied the hands of God when you're lost. He can't do all for you that he wants to do for you because you're lost. Number two, you're cold and indifferent and backslidden on God. And I don't believe you're neither one, sis. So I'm going to believe with you that God's going to help you overcome that. Now listen, if I can overcome it, and God had to help me, honey. I had three packs a day, a pack of hawking. <laughs> yeah, Levi Garrett every day. I was never more than 100 yards away from a carton of cigarettes. That's the truth. I had one in my truck, one in the dump truck, one in the house. I mean, I had cigarettes. I wasn't going to go without a cigarette. I might not eat for two or three days, but I ain't going without a cigarette. If God can help me through that, because I was persuaded he is able to keep that which I committed unto him. And when he convicted me in Barber, North Carolina, of tobacco, he said, son, if you're going to preach my words, you're going to have to clean your mouth up. So I throwed the cigarettes down, Grabbed up the chewing tobacco, stuck it right in that jaw, stuck me a lip full. I said, all right, God, I'm ready. Let's go. God said, spit that out, boy. I said, clean your mouth up. And I got to thinking, Chris, wouldn't it be just something if God had waited, you got a slap mouth full of good juicy spit, and the Holy Ghost hit you, and you had to have a running spit and chewing fit? How would that look? I mean, slinging, oh, Lord, that's a mess. Just think about it, ain't it? Let me tell you something. Preacher Carl Rowland and I got happy. I hadn't been saved long, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. We got to running through the church together. I can't tell you one thing that went on while we were running. I really can't. But this one thing. Me and him leaped together coming down the aisle. There was a cigarette come out of that pack in slow motion. It turned for three days and two nights in front of my face. Michael Jordan never had no hang time like I had that moment. I didn't think that cigarette would ever hit the ground. And God started right then and said, see what you got. And he started working on me. I'm not fussing at you, sis. I'm praying with you. See, God started on me. See, what I'm preaching tonight is, whom do you believe? And are you really persuaded that if we'll commit it to him, he'll help us get over it? He'll help us through it. But we've got to be the one doing the commitment. <laughs> God 
Sis, I'm not picking on you tonight, honestly, I'm not. I've got an altar on top of my mountain. And a lot of the young preacher boys used to come, and we'd go up there and pray. I couldn't tell you how many preacher boys laid their cigarettes under a rock in that altar. I couldn't begin to name how many. But I can tell you this, most of them never made a commitment. They made a showing. There is a difference between a commitment and a showing. <laughs> Beardy had part of the message earlier tonight and he didn't even know it. He said about better or worse. When you make a commitment, it's for the better or for the worse. Can I tell you this? When you're addicted to cigarettes and nicotine, boy, it gets worse before it gets better. Alcohol. You ever seen anybody go through DTs? Sure have. Amen. I've seen that. Drugs. They go through deep. It gets worse before it gets better. But the sad thing of it is, we might have been truly in our heart wanting to do it. But see, when temptation come back around, we picked it right back up. Beer went on sale when I got saved. <laughs> I don't know if cigarettes came down or not. But I couldn't tell you how many people offered me one. You want a cigarette? Nope. You sure you've always smoked? You've always smoked? You sure? You're out and you ain't got nothing? No, I quit. No, nah, you ain't quit. Ain't that the devil's handyman right here helping? Come on, they're free. Take one. <laughs> what about our commitment tonight to our spouse? What about our commitment when we stood up here and said, I want to be a member of this church? What about the commitment you made on your knees when you said, I want to be a member of the church? Most of us said something along these lines. Lord, I'll do whatever you want when we got in that altar to get saved. And before we got back to our seat, the devil done started talking us out of it. See, there's four things there that we need to understand. In whom? Who you committed to? Who's persuading you? Are you with me? Say amen. Listen, if you're not committed, I chewed so much chewing gum. Clove was a big chewing gum at that time. I still love big red, but you can't hardly find clove chewing gum anymore. I ain't joking go to the doctor. My mouth broke out. And that doctor said, what have you been chewing? I said, about four, five, six packs of cloves every day. He said, son, you can't handle that much cloves a day. Chewing gum. So I wouldn't smoke. And it broke my mouth out. He said, stop chewing so much of that. Chew something else. You'll be all right. Day or two, it cleared up. But I was committed not to Broughton, but I was committed. I was committed that whatever it took, I wanted God's will done in my life. I never forget the first time, and I'm closing, that God told me to fast. Didn't tell me what I was fasting for, and he said fast. My wife, bless her heart, she knows I love chocolate-covered raisins, and she loves chocolate-covered peanuts. 
And they had them on sale at Rosie, and she come in with about a two-pound pack of them. They sat on the television two or three days. She said, are you not going to eat them? I said, no, not now. So from then on, she bought a thing of raisins covered in chocolate. She'd come before she ever showed them to me. She'd say, Lord told you fast. <laughs> I love my wife. I'm glad she helped me. Amen. Because I want to tell you something. You're watching TV and them chocolate covered raisins just sitting on top of that television. And your little tummy's going. And the devil's saying, eat one or two. It won't hurt. <laughs> Turn these stones to bread. It won't hurt. <laughs> Just go ahead. Ain't nobody looking. You're in your own bedroom. Just eat. No, Lord. I'm going to stay with you. I'm committed. I'm committed, Lord, that I'm going to do it. Not for my glory, but for thy glory. So I can stand up and say, God, help me through that. God, the commitment I made unto you, you help me get through it. God, the commitment I made, the 8th day of February 1987, in that altar when I said, Lord, I need to be saved. I'm lost on my way to hell. I committed my life to your will. And I'm still committed today. My life expectancy is not as long as it was back then. I was only 32 then until you get to thinking we don't have no guarantee of tomorrow, no way. So my life expectancy was just a few minutes at that time and it's still just a few minutes, right? So how about in whom? How about what you're believing in? Where's your commitment tonight? Persistent prayer keeps ringing through my mind. What if that daddy had to give up? Now let me finish the story about him and we'll quit. He lived right beside his daddy. He said, I hadn't had no driver's license in 11 years. He said, I didn't have a job. He said, my daddy was a good man, preached the gospel, lived as good as he could possibly live. And said, one of the neighbors come into the yard and run in my house and said, your daddy's house is on fire. And he ran into his mom and daddy's house and they was both sitting there eating supper. Didn't even know the house was on fire. And his daddy run down the hallway and opened the bedroom door and he said, it come down the hallway. Woof. And he said, his mom and daddy are sitting in the ditch line praying. And he said, I fell in front of that house in the yard and said, God, why? Why daddy? Daddy's a good man. Daddy preaches the word. He's always told me about Jesus. Why him? Why everything he owns is burning up? God, what's wrong? And God said, I'm not wanting him. I'm wanting you. And that's when he hollered, I surrender, Lord. I surrender. What would it take for somebody in your life to believe and be committed? Your prayer tonight for them could be the one that's prayed that they come in. That was the point of his message last night in being persistent. 
being persistent in prayer. He said his mama come into his house the next day and he said, I was standing in the kitchen pouring liquor and beer down the drain. He said, Mama said, what are you doing? He said, Mama, I'm not going to drink no more. She said, are you really committed to that? You know, that's a big statement, folks. You're 49-year-old and you've been an alcoholic for all them years. That's a big statement. That's a big statement. Stand there and pour your liquor and beer down the drain and say, I've committed. I'm not going back. I'm going forward with God. In whom tonight? In what do you believe? And how's your commitment? Not only for yourself, but for your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors. Let's stand together. Precious Father, look upon every heart that's in this building tonight. Father, I, I thank you that, Lord, that you realize that we ought to know in whom we believed. We ought to be persuaded and we ought to be committed that you're able, really, to keep whatever we commit to you, Father. So let us commit our lives into thy service here tonight. Lord, if there's one listening by the airways, Father, that's not bowed before you and committed their life, saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. God, I pray that you speak to their hearts right here as they're hearing this message tonight. And God, as we got many on our heart tonight, a few that's in the hospital that we're especially praying for, God, that they'll hear somebody say, turn to Jesus. Get committed unto Him. Be persuaded. And Lord, let our commitment tonight, Lord, to be to the church, to Jesus, Lord, to each other. God, our children, grandchildren are looking upon these that's in the house of God to see, Lord, if they're committed, it'll help them be committed. And Father, I thank You and love You and praise You for all You're doing, Father. For we love You and praise You in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.